Hi, I'm Caitlin Chin, Artistic Director of Cirque du Nuit and Executive Producer of The Legendary Handbook. If you're enjoying Cordelia and Ellie's story, I wanted to remind you that their story takes place in a much larger world with so much more to explore. To find out more, you can visit CirqueDeNuitNYC.com. That's C-I-R-Q-U-E-D-U-N-U-I-T-N-Y-C.com. Or subscribe for regular exclusive content at patreon.com slash Cirque That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N, patreon.com slash Cirque C-I-R-Q-U-E-D-U-N-U-I-T. The handbook's not the only legend worth telling. Come and write your own. everyone. Welcome to the Legendary Handbook Podcast. I'm Ellie and that's my sister Cordy. Hi. We were mailed a weird, enchanted, and possibly sentient book and it's a magical how-to guide of sorts. Every week my sister and I read an entry from said book and give you advice on how to navigate a fairy tale. This week was brought to you by... I might have stayed up a little too late last night scrolling through a certain app that was originally made for children, and now I have had a little too much coffee to stay awake. I I was working well into the night and had to drown out the annoying noises coming from Ellie's phone. Needless to say, we are both hyped up on a little too much caffeine and not enough sleep. I am also fully running on adrenaline. I had a synchronous session with my one class today, and let me tell you, the arrogance of some people amazes me. I almost got into it with one of my classmates. Oh, spill, spill the tea. I was sleeping, I think, at this time, because this is the first I'm hearing about this. I decided to put a marathon of BuzzFeed Unsolved, Supernatural, of course. I had it playing on my headphones, and I fell asleep. I had to have fallen asleep, I swear. Ryan Bergara's voice knocks me out almost immediately every single time. Mm, Okay, okay. Maybe TMI there. But anyway, it is (laughs) this one guy, Jack. He's nice, I guess. He's the type that probably never had to work for anything in his life, thinks he can charm his way into anyone's pants, and isn't used to losing a single argument. Ugh. Right, right. So we got into it over the theory of human language development being in conjunction with uh, humans using tools. And he was trying to fight me on a historical fact. Isn't that what you're straight up writing your dissertation on? Like, Uh Oh my god, I swear! The audacity of some men. They- it really is all they have. Yeah, no, this dude really thought he was doing something too. Like, I hit him with some (laughs) proven, peer-reviewed studies and he deflated like a balloon and it was glorious to watch. Imagine thinking a historical fact is up for debate. We love an educated queen. I'm so proud of you. Thank you. Thank you. He also hardly ever comes to our live sessions for class. My professor is pretty chill about online sessions, but I have found they're so helpful right now. Well, what else did you talk about in class? Like, was it, did you learn anything interesting? 
after the epic smackdown, we had a lecture about language acquisition and how it's vital to socialization. Infants actually have this stage in their development known as the critical stage, where their brains are their most ready to learn language. And if they don't learn it then, it'll be very difficult for them to learn later. So what happens if a child might be deaf? Oh, well, see, I actually have a deaf classmate, and they were talking about how when they were little, they didn't know how to sign until they got into preschool. So they just thought, Everyone only heard muffled noises and read the lips of whomever was speaking. It gets super fascinating. That is really fascinating, actually, because they still had a concept of language, even though they were deaf. It it just wasn't the way that hearing people think. Like, they had a way to communicate. That's amazing. Do they use their voice at all? I mean, they can, but they prefer to sign. Mm. I personally, I think sign language is one of the most amazing things humans have ever done. Like they can, you can literally say an entire sentence with like just your face. I'm actually planning to concentrate on language acquisition and its role in socialization. Um, And a great way to study that is by studying deaf children who were denied language when they were young. Uh, Language and naming is part of what brought us into the modern era. And then, like, to counter that, uh, there's a really interesting thing about uh, childhood communication because babies can actually mm-hmm. communicate and sign before they can speak. So that a lot of that people I know are trying to teach their children signs so that they can understand what their babies want to stop them from screaming mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Because so much that... of human, like, interaction is just mm-hmm. predicated on attempting to understand each other. That is amazing Cordy like that's like that's actually really vital information for people that have babies it just really is like the power of language is really amazing so this book to bring us back from this fascinating tangent is I think a really good example of how powerful language can be oh oh definitely like absolutely especially if it's based on like fae folk fairy folklore stuff like names are crucial in practices like that uh you know i wonder oh uh, mm-hmm. yep yep look at that the book has an entire section dedicated to language and communication oh my god wait let me see did a sea witch take your voice here are four ways to effectively get your point across while voiceless oh my god okay ariel um oh but look at this one talking in circles how to stun an opponent without lifting a finger well you know i love that (laughs) uh when words fail what to do when words cannot fill the moment correctly oh oh ellie look at this one the naming of things the awful power of language that makes my blood pressure go up considering that we gave the book our names i mean we've had the name discussion i mean not really though mel just asked us about it i think we should read this one so are we just gonna throw out my three in one rule oh come on please what if this will help me with my dissertation oh you sly academic dog fine only because i care about you Yay! 
Okay. <laughs> we take our words for granted, and it is folly to do so. Even now, as you read this, you are scanning senseless scribbles of ink on a page. These runes, these lines of ordered chaos enter your mind as sounds, and those inaudible sounds, provided you are not reading aloud, transmute by virtue of your learned mastery of this strange arcana that we call language and the alchemy of the human brain into meaning. Do you see it? Do you recognize the absurd miracle of this? Even if there were no other magic in this or other worlds, this alone would be proof of its existence. It is a laughably impossible feat to encapsulate an object or feeling or concept or even an entire living being in a sound. Never mind the inanity of drawing those sounds. And yet, you do it every day, even when you do not speak. For your thoughts cannot escape the hold the construct named language has upon you. Can you have a thought without words? Can you remember a thing without defining it? Perhaps, in small ways, in physical sensations and feelings that we don't know what to call. But even as you experience them or remember them, you will seek to name them. Wow. This author is getting really, like, introspective and philosophical. This is right up your alley, Cordy. Yeah, I mean, this is the stuff we debate all the time in class. Okay, but continuing. We assign everything a name, and these names contain those things. Words shape our world, and because we have no locus of understanding beyond our own perception, and no ability to share our understanding without language of some form, we must take this literally. Our language is our reality. And even if we lost all language and the world went on spinning, it would not matter as we would have no way to tell without the lesson of distinction, the tool that separates this from that, the words that distinguish and compare yin and yang, the fruit that shares the knowledge of good and evil. Eden was lost to us the moment we first named a thing for it separated us at once from everything else in existence, and in doing, gave us thought, a thing once reserved only for deities. This is a power greater than any in the universe, though we cannot measure it because we are never not within its bounds. Words have tremendous ability to collapse existence into pieces of meaning sent from our minds to our lungs and carried on a ripple in the air. And those who hear those words conjure their own meanings from their own experience. And so the power of the named grows even as the preciseness of our speech is weakened. Oh, wow. 
yeah, this is an example of how one word can mean a different thing to different people. Like, if I say the word dog, you immediately think of the beagle we had growing up. But if I ask Mel what she first thinks of when she hears the word dog, she will think Mm -hmm. of her little pug. Aw. Yeah, it kind of sounds like everyone has their own set of rules that language kind of sets up for them. Exactly. There's no way to convey meaning with language that isn't through the filter of our own lived experience. And so language is never perfectly precise. Or something like that, anyway. Whatever. I am a linguist, not a rhetorician. (laughs) A linguist you are indeed. Can I read the rest? Yeah, sure, of course. There are ancient stories of the true name of things. Words that defined with such preciseness as to give absolute power over the named by the speaker. It is best not to concern yourself with hunting for such things. But if we assume this myth to have merit, then the opposite must also be true. As the name of a thing becomes imprecise, the agency of the named grows. So what of that which is nameless? What becomes of those things that once had names, but lost them? Where goes the limitless power of language when its meaning is forgotten? Yet the runes of the once transcribed, its sound remains. It is impossible to say, since we cannot define that which is undefinable in speech. But be weary of such things, or places, or people. Forgotten or lost words still hold power. But power that is unbound by our current constraints on our reality. They are echoes for us, ripples through our ancestry, and through worlds and through time. They held power for us once, and so they do still. But it is unrestrained, unrefined, and untapped. The tragedy and the power of the nameless things is one and the same, that they are forever trapped in their endless freedom. And if they are possessed of a mind, then they are free to do anything within their vast unknowing. Or worse yet, define themselves as any or all of a thing that is. In short, be careful with your name. It is all that you have. Wow. That was definitely not what I was expecting. Or, you know what? I don't know what I was expecting, but it wasn't that. This book is definitely, like, a little too spacey-wacy for me to ever use this as a credible academic source. Not sure I ever thought that I could use it like that to begin with. Wishful thinking? This was super interesting, though. I had never thought of names like that before. This book certainly does have a way with words. (gasps) Oh! Oh, I just realized we didn't let the listeners know at what time the book has logged right now. Oh, you're right. For those that might be confused, which at this point, we are nine episodes in. If you are only listening to this just now, please, for the love of God, go back and listen to the first eight episodes. Right, okay, but but anyway, to catch you up, this book has this weird picture of a clock in the beginning, but it has, like, way more than numbers on it. And the clock hands, the hour, the minute, and the second, they all move. 
Yeah, yeah. This supposedly inanimate object moves on its own. Should have mentioned that earlier. Well, here we are. Well, looks like the book hands are still pointed to the zodiac signs that they were pointed at last week. Well, that's convenient. Maybe we'll show you all what this insane thing looks like sometime. Do you think our listeners would like that? I mean, they love the weird code cipher thing that we put out there. Maybe this strange clock is just some kind of code as well, just like way more complicated. Huh, yeah. Well, listeners, let us know if you'd like to see a picture of the clock. And remember, don't give your name away. Cordy, we established that this book is numbered, right? Uh, I think so, yeah. Remember when we read the entry and it was a little too specific? It referenced another volume? Yeah, I remember that. What number was the volume? The one we have with us right now? Mm -hmm. I'm pretty sure it was number 13, because, of course, this would be a scary numbered book. Yeah. Well, the spine on this says that this is volume number 12. What? Look! The, I, like, I could have sworn it was volume number 13. Remember how we talked about how spooky it was? I vividly recall that, yes. That's why I asked you about it, because I had to make sure my memory wasn't playing tricks on me. Maybe we should listen to the episode that we found out the number of the volume and check? Uh, that's a really good idea. Maybe we're both remembering it wrong. I mean, don't you think the odds of that are a little slim? I mean, remember, the incident in the woods was not just a shared hallucination. Right, we definitely ruled out full ado. But mm -hmm. if it was volume 13, and now it's volume 12, what happened to the original volume 12? As usual, this book always leaving us with more questions than answers. It's like a David Lynch movie. Or Inception. Or Inception, if David Lynch wrote it. Oh my god. My brain is melting at the very idea of that. Mine too. So, why don't I make us some tea and we'll do that adult coloring book to make our minds not be goo anymore. Oh, the one with the adult swear words in it? Oh, obviously. Oh, incredible. Well, that is all for this week, friends. Thanks for tuning in. We'll be back next week with hopefully more hours of sleep. And our names intact. Toodles! <laughs>
The original music was composed by Andina. Thanks for listening, everyone, and see you next time.